When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always. And if you've been listening to every episode, I'm sure you're very sick of our voices by now. This is probably, what, our fifth straight episode of the last little while, and also the last episode we have for a while without a game to talk about. Rosters are set, preseason is over, we know who's made the team, and by the time you're listening to this, NHL regular season hockey is going to be played, and we will be but a day away from the Avalanche starting their season in Los Angeles when they take on the Kings. It feels good. It feels good. We, we made it through another offseason. This one felt so much longer than last time. But it was. It was. It was. But we finally made it. The Avs did a probably like for as exciting as the preseason was of who's going to make the team and who's not. It was a pretty uneventful uh, roster day because I feel like we all kind of knew what it was going to be before it was even finalized. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of the the safe bets to make the roster, I would imagine, but they did throw a curveball at us after kind of expecting that they wouldn't go and claim a goalie after how confident they seemed on Yusuf Ananen. The Avalanche go on and claim a goalie on the final day of waivers, claiming Ivan Prozvitov, a 24-year-old goalie from the Arizona Coyotes, and they send Yusuf Ananen to the Colorado Eagles, so now... The starting tandem for the Avalanche is going to be Alex Georgiev and now Ivan Prozvatov. So little last second curveball. That claim happened, what, like four hours ago? Yeah. I think this is bad news for how long Frankie's going to be out. That was my first thought. It was just like, oh, this is he's not coming back for a while. No. And if he's not coming back for a while they did the responsible thing because you do need to have three capable goalies and on and in and Prozvatov are, I think are pretty similar. Like they're not going to win you a bunch of games, but if you need them to go out there for two or three games at a time, the Avs have enough offensive talent and defensive talent to shield them a little bit. Yeah. And you know, I think you can just look at this as like you said, being responsible and getting more goaltending depth. Because if Eustace Onanen came out this regular season, starts a game and sucks, and then comes out another game and sucks, you did not have any fallback options beyond that point. And this way, by getting Prozvatov, and by the way, this is far from just like a stopgap goalie. This is a guy who is still 24, has played NHL games, had a stretch of three games last season where he was beyond outstanding and won like three games for the Coyotes with incredibly high numbers. That in his last four games did not look good, but also, as many people mentioned, was playing behind the Arizona Coyotes defense, which is not going to help your numbers. This is still very much a goaltending prospect. 
that you can still develop into a decent enough option for you down the future. And now you just have two. And if Prozvatov is bad and you put him back on waivers, you can still call up Ananen. This now just gives you more room to operate. And you don't have to start the season with Ananen sitting in the press box, maybe playing one or two games in October. Right. He's going down to the Eagles and he's going to start those games and get in his rhythm and get his motions down and everything, get those important reps that you need for a young goalie. And then he can still come up and play in the NHL later. This does not prevent you from doing that. It's just not right away. It's not right away. And you, like you said, Prostov's twenty-four. That's basically like eighteen for a goaltender. Yeah, for because a goalie, he might he might as well be freshly drafted. He might as well be because Georgiev's what twenty-seven, and yeah. he didn't he didn't really get his big break until he was twenty-six. So like it's it's very hard for goaltenders to be good right away. There's very few who can come straight out of juniors or college and be good. So the abs did the responsible thing. It cost them literally nothing to do it. They got a goalie for free. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised this guy fell all the way through to the abs, but hey, you got to have at least three goalies. We've seen it with the abs before. There's crazy shit that happens in NHL seasons. Shit, look at the Knights last year. They had to have four or five goalies play for them at points. You need to have goaltender depth. And with Frankie being out for, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes on LTIR tomorrow. I I would not be shocked. I can probably almost guarantee he's going on LTIR tomorrow and missing an at least terrible amount of time. I would imagine like I probably beyond the minimum time of LTIR. I have no insider information on that. That is just my gut feeling. I have, that's nothing but speculation. Well, it's speculation, but it's rightful speculation because if he was going to come back, like we were saying at the end of October, you can live with on and in playing three right. games. Right, exactly. You don't need to go out and make a waiver claim and do anything like that. This is probably because you believe you're going to be without the backup goalie. You're paying $2 million for a considerable amount of time. And, you know, you look back to when this was last a problem two seasons ago, the year before they won the cup. Yep. I mean, it's kind of always been an on off problem, but when Ananen didn't play the, not Ananen, sorry, Frankie didn't play Frankie. the entire season. They really struggled with goaltending depth. And now... Was that Devin Dubnik's year? That was the Devin Dubnik year. Great times. But now you look at it, it's like, it's not perfect, but now they have Prozbatov. Now they have Ananen. They also still do have Arvid Holm and Trent Minor. Like, they've got a, a pretty solid collection of young goalies here that someone is going to be developing and getting important role no matter what. You're not just putting a waiver claim on Martin Jones just as a stopgap for 10 games. Like there is still going Who to did Jones get claimed by. I don't think anybody, I think he just, Respect. yeah, good, good, good. But I'm there's, happy. there's going to be someone who's going to be getting an important role on this team. And whether it is Prozvatov or Ananen, these are young goalies that are going to be put in important minutes. And Prozvatov, like we said, has played NHL games before, not a ton, He's played about, to this point, 13 in his NHL career, seven last year, like I already talked about. Finished with an 880, dragged down by his last four games. His first three were great, but with seven games, like that's for a goalie, that's barely a sample size. Like This is almost a shot in the dark, I want to say, for this team. Obviously, they have a lot more information than I do off of three hours' notice. They've probably been scouting him, I would pretty comfortably say, a lot longer than I have. And they're 
comfortable taking this chance. Worst case scenario, it gives them some more depth and some more options that you don't have to immediately fall on to Eustace Onanen right away. But it doesn't block him, which I think is also very important. Yeah, It would not shock me in the least if once Frankie comes back, Krasnodov's on waivers again. Yeah. If he comes back. I mean, this is like, this is just a goalie that you are getting for free. And if he turns out to be great, awesome. You just got a, a sick backup goalie for free that you're barely spending any money on. You're, be- you're spending league minimum on. Yep. And so if it works out, great. If it doesn't, you can just call up Yusuf Anand and then, who has now gotten a couple of games in with the Eagles and is all limber and warmed up and ready to go. I, I think this is really the, sadly, the beginning of the end for Frankie in Colorado. I, I just don't think the abs are going to resign him again. No, just... I, I think even if he was healthy, they're not going to spend more money on a backup goalie. Cause even still like $2 million for a backup, I'd say that's probably the maximum you're willing to spend, like comfortably spend on a backup goalie. And this team's cap situation next season is going to be tight. Oh, yeah. This very tight. Most of this season, both at the NHL level and in the minors, is going to be spent on evaluating these goalies and seeing if they are comfortable with not spending money next offseason and bumping Eustace on and then up or seeing what Trent Miner can do in a starting role or anything. Not suggesting Trent Miner is going to be a backup goalie next season, but they're going to want to see what they can get out of him. And Arvid Holm, who they signed this offseason, they're going to want to see. Well, didn't they draft that goalie like two years ago in the seventh round too? They have that guy too, I want to say. Probably, yeah. I, I mean, like they drafted, I mean, Trent Miner was drafted in 2019 in the seventh round as well. Yeah. The Avs have goalies. It's just, it's the age old tale of can they develop one? They have never been able to develop one in their franchise history. And you know so, what? If you throw enough shit at the wall, eventually something's going to Something has to, right? If you're developing five goalies, maybe one turns out okay. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But and honestly, I think that's what it should be when it comes to, to goalies. I think you should draft one maybe like at least every other year. All the time you see a goalie in the seventh round all of a sudden turn into a super hot prospect or come in the league and be good. You literally just never know what these guys You never are. know. That's why goalies aren't drafted in the first round anymore because it's just there's so many good ones and they take so long to develop. Like Who are the goalies? Like Rick DiPietro kind of sucked. Marc-Andre well, I mean, Fleury. Most recent seasons like Askarov, he's still – their predators are still waiting for him. Correct. And like all the goalies that you have seen taken in the first round, like Spencer Knight was as close to a sure thing as we've seen for a goalie in the first round. And it, it's been a journey for him. There's been times he's been great. There's been obviously a lot of downs. The last one that I can say, like, without a doubt worked was Jake Ottinger. Oh, yeah. Jake Ottinger. Yeah, that one worked out okay. Yeah. Kind of sucks he plays for the Stars, but it's okay. So the Avs roster is as set as it's going to be going into Wednesday. They have 21 players. Am I am I getting that right? Uh, they are only going to carry six D-man, which you can say they're only carrying six, but if it comes to a pinch, I think they'd throw McDermott in there. I at, mean, at, at, the, at the end of the day, like, you, I know you put Brad Hunt on waivers and he cleared. You can just call him back up. Right. Like, it's not that big a deal that they're carrying six. That's just how they're starting the season. Like, you can call up Sam Malinsky, Brad Hunt at any time. But now that Hunt cleared waivers, you don't have to put him back on waivers for at least a little while here now. And now yeah. they're probably going to try to save some space at the start of the season. I know they're not banking space this season because of LTIR, which is unfortunate. But as it stands right now, you did have Riley Tufty put on waivers and he cleared. Great news. Brad Hunt cleared waivers. Everyone that the Avs put on waivers cleared. So you don't have to worry about it, losing any players 
We'll see if they're even going to keep Kibiranta if he ends That's up. That's weird that no news has come out about that. Which makes me think no. Which, yeah. you know, you're starting to get down to it in the season beginning. You know, you got your answer from Peter Holland within a couple of days. It makes me think he's leaning no, but I'm not going to put words in his mouth. You know, you never know what he's thinking or what he's I'm going to laugh so hard because the second we click end on this recording, we'll find out what's going on with Kibiranta. Probably. I would imagine so. But we know he's not going to be on the NHL team to start the season, whether it's outside the organization or with the Eagles, he's not going to be on the team. But as it stands right now, it looked like Malinsky made the team once Brad Hunt got put on waivers. And then we find out today that he's been reassigned to the Colorado Eagles and the AHL. So not a big surprise, honestly, with Malinsky. I mean, he he started pretty hot at rookie camp and everything, but as training camp went on and he got into more preseason games, you could see it's just it's a work in progress still that you, you would not be comfortable throwing that guy out there in an NHL situation quite yet. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That That's the big thing I think we have to keep saying to ourselves and I have to keep saying to myself, just because guys like Ben Myers and Malinsky didn't make the team out of camp does not mean that they're bus. It just means that they're going to get more opportunity to play and develop and play significant roles than playing five minutes a night on the fourth line. Yeah, and even going back to, to Ben Myers, like, yeah, he's going to start the season in the AHL, but that doesn't mean he can't come up. And that doesn't mean that, you know, Freddie Olofsson, I think, is pretty safe to stay on that fourth line for most I think so too. But if there comes a point, and I'm sure there will, in the season where they're going to need players to move up the lineup, I'm sure ultimately Ben Myers is going to be put higher up in the lineup than Freddie Olofsson, but it's not great for his development to be sitting on the fourth line most of the time, maybe some nights in the press box. Freddie Olofsson is more designed for that role, and in the opposite situation, it makes more sense if Olofsson's going to be there for Myers to be playing a higher-end role in the AHL and getting more reps, and then just like Ananen, building up his confidence, playing against lesser competition, and then feeling good about himself that when eventually you do get to call him back up, he's me- he's mentally there and he's ready. When, when it comes to some of these younger players, that matters a lot. It does. It does. And I've seen a lot of people online complaining about the fact that McDermott made the team. We can all agree. It's a weird move that the abs are doing it. It is. If Even tough- me, the most biased Curtis McDermott fan, can admit Tufty is a better player than McDermott. If Tufty Abs love affair with him, I don't know. I don't get it. If Tufty got claimed, this would have been a much bigger problem, right. in my opinion. But the fact that Tufty cleared, everything's fine. McDermott would have gotten claimed. I think that is a very yes. simple fact of the matter. Curtis McDermott would have gotten claimed. Riley Tufty ultimately snuck through waivers. So it's really hard to say that's a wrong choice. Because again, Tufty can just come back. Correct. They have the cap space to call Tufty back up at the moment, especially if they're only carrying 6D right now. But as the way it stands right now, Cagliano is questionable for opening night, I would imagine. He said that he's the bones have healed and everything. Now he's just seeing if the muscles are strong enough in his broken neck. Yeah, it's just so funny that like it, it, you're talking about it, like his bones are healed, like oh his leg. No, it's his fucking neck. Dude. Yeah, his neck. <laughs> you, know, you use that a little while. Right. It's a pretty important bone in your body, and it's healed thankfully. And I'm I'm grateful that he's not just like oh it's healed. I'm gonna go back out there right away. I'm thankful he's like you know I want to make sure the muscles heal and everything so this doesn't happen again. So it's not. I think deal. he's leaning towards playing though. If he was practicing with the fourth line today, yeah, I, I think he's probably gonna play. I imagine it's probably just gonna be how you feel. 
at game time. And if he plays in game three instead of game one, you know, it's not the end of the world at the end of the day. But there is a non-zero percent chance that Curtis McDermott is going to be on the opening night starting lineup. That's the dream for me personally. But I, again, I, biggest Curtis McDermott fan in the world. It is weird because I, I think everyone in the hockey world could agree that Tufty's a better player than McDermott. But the fact that McDermott would be claimed over Tufty says it's just weird, right? It's a it is a weird situation, and I want I want to see Tufty be effective in a regular season game before I just go out there and say like, oh, he's a hundred percent more valuable than Curtis McDermott. Because yeah, you look at it on paper, yeah, you know what he probably is. And the, the thing with McDermott is like it's getting tight cap wise, where it's actually becoming a little bit of a squeeze to to be doing this. McDermott does need to prove his his worth on this team beyond being a super nice locker room guy. And hardest worker on the team, man. Hardest worker on the team. I, I will never doubt that, but there there does need to be more on the ice from him to to justify a risk like that of potentially losing someone like Tufty. And you know, it's it's also not a slam dunk that Tufty is just going to come to the NHL in the in the regular season and be great because. In the last preseason game, he did struggle against Vegas once it started to go up against more NHL-heavy rosters. And I'm not going to pretend that McDermott move and keeping him is the smartest thing in the world, but they they clearly value him. And they should. He's going to be put in in a pinch sometimes, but as long as it's just every once in a while, then you should be fine, hopefully. Should be fine, but... I honestly, I, I looked at it. Evan tweeted it out, the lines. I, I fell in love with the lines today. Like, I, I like don't know about you. I, like I fell in love with them. I really like, too. I really like the power plays. I, I really do. like the power plays. Power play one, Makar, McKinnon, Ryan Johansson, Miko Rantanen, and Arturi Lekkinen. Fantastic. That's pretty and solid. Then PP2, Taze, Druan, Colton, Tatar, Nichushkin, and potentially Byram taking over that quarterback slot on power. Yeah, play. I don't like that. I think that needs to be Devontae. Say what you want about Byram. I think he has a higher ceiling, but right now I think Devontae is the better playmaker than Bo Byram. I don't even think there's a wrong choice. There either. isn't, but for me, I'd rather have Taves on there. Yeah, I, I would rather have Taves be the quarterback on the power play. And Byram, you can probably rotate in maybe for Tatar or someone like that on the wings maybe and just have 2D out there on the power play. But like, look at what we're talking about already. There's too many good people to put on the power play right now. And I'm a big fan of the lines, like you said. I mean, Druan looks like he's going to get the, the start out there with McKinnon and Rantanen to start the oh, season. Dude. I love it, dude. I, it's nice that he earned that spot. It's nice that he went out there and he earned that spot. And then you're looking at Lekkanen with Johansson and Nachushkin. That line is going to be such a fucking pain in the ass, man. Like I, these next two lines, they're going to be hell to play against. Yeah. And then you get Wood, Colton, Tatar, Cogliano, Olafson, O'Connor. Like th- those are tough lines to go out there and play against. And man, I know I was lukewarm on Ryan Johansson in the offseason after we got him. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't think there has been any player on this team who has upped their stock more to me, at least, than Ryan Johansson. He looks comfortable. He looks happy. And I want to see what he can do in the regular season. Like, I'm excited to see what he can do on that top power play in the bumper slot. That looks good. He looked unreasonably good in the preseason at that. I'm excited to see what he can do with it. I mean, too, dude, it's just so refreshing to look at a lineup and be like, wow, you could make a case that all three of these lines could score a goal. Yeah. 
You like go out on the ice, and there is a threat on every line to score. And that's yeah. this. That's what this team did not have last year. Did not. So it, it's going to be great. I I am most excited to see that uh, Rijo Lekkinen and Achushkin line because that is going to be either that line's going to be awesome or they're going to go through some serious growing pains together. And there will be growing pains. There will be. The best case scenario, everyone comes out in game one and they come out flying and everyone's fantastic. Realistically, there's going to be moments, especially early in the season in October, where guys are still adjusting to the system, getting used to each other and building chemistry. It's going to be a process because this is like we've gotten used over the last couple of years, pretty much just running back the same teams, pretty much just like a few new faces every here and there. This is a pretty significantly revamped offense where pretty much most of your second, third lines are almost entirely revamped with four players. And then you throw Juan on the top line. There's going to be a little bit of growing pain here. I, it's They're probably still going to win a lot of games in October, but it's not going to be perfect. And everyone's still going to be coming together. So I do want to temper that expectation a little bit that these guys are going to come out and just immediately light the world on fire. I think you put it perfectly where there's going to be games where you see like it's clicking and it's going to be like, holy shit, why can't they do this every game? But I also think there's going to be a lot more games where it's like, fuck, like the guy wasn't there where I thought he was going to be there. That's why I, I expect October to go pretty similar to most abs Octobers where we'll probably be 500 by the time October's over. Yeah. And I honestly, I think we'll do a little better than normal Octobers in recent memory because we've also had worse Octobers to deal with in this one. In my opinion, I mean, there's a lot of breaks between games, which I think early in the season is better to have than later. When once you're in a rhythm and everything, you get a like you get a long break and it throws off your rhythm. I think in this instance, it's going to be a little easier for them to deal with. I mean, the matchups are not awful. I mean, you're starting with the Kings. That's going to be a tough game. You go into the Sharks. You should win that game pretty Seattle. easily. Seattle. I don't need to tell you that's a pretty tough game. You know, pretty fresh in our minds. Chicago home opener, you should be able to handle business in that one. Like there's not easy games in here, but there's enough breaks in between that this is probably going to be 500-ish again, to your point. I just think that's what this team is. They don't know, like they don't kick it into high gear until December anyway. That's just what this team's done. But I think the talent on this team compared to last year they're going to be able to kick it into high gear and that team's going to be not the same as it was when we won the cup, but I think pretty damn close if everything stays healthy and goes that way. Yeah. I mean, pretty hard to ask for that team. Pretty hard, pretty hard. Cause they were one of the greatest teams of all time, but, but I do think that it's going to be a little bit rough of an October, but once these guys start playing with each other a little bit more, they build that chemistry. It's going to be beautiful hockey to watch. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day. 
this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. I really do agree. Like, I really like how this roster is constructed right now, just with the exception of the last D-man slot. I think you can get away with Jack Johnson for a little bit, but there is nowhere to turn outside of that. I believe Brad Hunt can be a stopgap. I, I just think Malinsky needs time. I don't I don't think he's quite ready yet. I think they kept him up for as long as they could. He practiced today with the main team, and they sent him down today. I think they want to get him as many of those reps as they can, but he does clearly need more time. But he's he's going to be on this team this season eventually. It he just, will be. It, we'll see in what regard that is, but I he's going to get a not insignificant amount of games. I agree. It's We talked about it. Jack Johnson could come out and surprise all of us and just be like, oh, I wasn't trying in the preseason, and he's the Jack Johnson that we know in the regular season. But when you get to the playoffs, we've seen it. I don't know what it is, but when the playoffs start, Jack Johnson goes back to the old Jack Johnson. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the pressure of it. But in the regular season, he's been solid. So maybe he surprises us. I'm not high on it because he's another year older. And these past two years have kind of been like, wow, this has been a surprise. But eventually those surprises are going to run out when it comes to Jack Johnson. It's less about Jack Johnson for me and more just there are going to be injuries. And eventually Jack is going to move up the lineup and someone else is going to come in. And I think you can get away with Brad Hunt for a little bit. You were able to get away with Brad Hunt for certain stretches during last season. But eventually there is going to have to be a move made here. I was I was a little surprised that they didn't claim any of the defensemen off of waivers. I thought there were some interesting options for them to look at. Ultimately, they decided not to go with any of them, even though in a backwards way, Caleb Jones is now <laughs> on the Eagles, but he's Hurricanes property because the Hurricanes don't have an AHL affiliate anymore. So they just start loaning all their players to other teams like Koshikov is with the lightning and now Caleb Jones, who I thought would have been an interesting waiver claim a few days ago is in the organization. We just are doing them a favor and keeping them warm. Correct. Maybe it's like a preview of like, Hey, this is a trial run. If you want to trade for this guy, let us know. Yeah. I mean, I I've, I've been on the Caleb Jones train for a little bit. You have been. The you have been. I made the case for them to sign him maybe for what the hurricanes ultimately signed him, which is league men. And then to claim him for league men. And I guess that's one down on the monkey paw. You're close. You're close. You were close. But it is going to be the defense is going to be interesting because on paper, when everyone's healthy, they're great. But you just look at the second pair alone with Byram and Manson. Those two guys combined last year played, what, 35 games? Yeah. I mean, you could be in October and neither of them are there. Correct. It's it's going to be... He didn't get out of the preseason without a scare from Bo, who it does seem to be okay, but there was a scare in the last game, in the, the final minute of the final preseason game. So until it actually gets to the end of the season and Bo has played most of it, you're still going to be holding your breath every time someone gets near him. Yeah, it's just the way it is. So right now, as it sits, I like the way our D's paired up. I do. But the inevitable fact is someone's going to get hurt. 
We've seen it with Kale McCarr. He misses like three or four games at a time just because they're like, hey, we'll give you a break. Devon Taves is a symbol of consistency when it comes to playing. Like, I'm not worried about Taves. Gerard is an Iron Man. COVID's really the only thing that can stop him and being hit in a playoff game where he breaks a sternum. That's about it. So you really just need Manson and Byram to play 60 games. If they can play 60 games, you'll be looking real pretty. Yeah. Like this, I just do not believe that this is the defense they're going to carry into the playoffs. They're going to do something at the deadline. There's going to be a waiver claim that comes through eventually, or they're going to hope someone steps up to take a job or something like I, cause I do believe in Jack, but I just, I don't believe in penciling him in as 60 that there needs, there needs to be a rotation there that just as it stands right now, it can change any moment or it might not change until March. I do believe that they are going to add that eventually because you can get away with it for a little while. But I think when you do get down the stretch of the regular season and those games start to matter a lot more and guys are banged up and you get to the playoffs, there's just going to need to be another body here. Without a doubt. Without, at least on paper right now, you shouldn't need to add too much forward at the trade deadline. So if you can focus everything on D, that your limited resources that you have can at least be focused on that. Yeah, I, I think what Chris McFarland did with building this team is he loaded up heavy on the forwards so that he doesn't have to worry about chasing one down at the trade deadline. Yeah, and like it's not even like I'm asking for you to get a top four defenseman. No, like I I would be fine with a Caleb Jones type defenseman, sixth alternating defenseman that you don't have to spend a high round pick on. There's going to be a million of them out there at the deadline. You might even find one for free on the waiver wire during the season. But just eventually, I believe there is going to be a move there. I do, too. I do, too. You, you just need to have at least eight D-men, NHL D-men, to, I think, go deep in the playoffs. Did anyone ever sign Ethan Bear? I want to see. Did someone? I feel like you talked about that someone signed him. I don't think they did. I, yeah, I'm looking at Ethan Bear is still technically unsigned. And I know yeah. he's recovering and won't be back until December, but. That could be interesting. Like, Maybe that's someone that they have their eyes on. I don't know. Maybe that's exactly. I also imagine there's a bunch of other teams that would, have, that would have their eyes on him. But once he eventually does recover, that could be an interesting option for a guy who just seems to have good talent in the NHL, but just for some reason has not been able to stick on the Oilers, the Hurricanes, and the Canucks, and now is just kind of battling through an injury and hasn't been able to to get a chance at redemption yet. I mean, maybe that could be someone that the abs turn into another piece of gold. Yeah. This is going to be a season long story that we talk about with the D with the decor. So I'm going to enjoy the fact that for at least for Wednesday, we have a healthy decor and I'm happy with that. Yep. Because when we're back here next episode, probably won't be the case as we've seen several seasons over. It does not take, it does not take long. Does not take much, but I like where this team's at. I still stick with the fact that I think they're going to be really, really good. This is going to be a very fun. I haven't been this excited for a season since probably the cup year, which seems like forever ago, but like like we've talked about before last season just kind of felt like, fuck, this is here already. This one I'm chomping at the bit for Wednesday, man. I am chomping at the bit. Cause like you, when, after you win a cup, you almost don't want to play again. Yeah, like, you're yeah. like, if hockey gets canceled forever, I can at least say I would watch my team win the Stanley Cup. In the right, last because year. eventually you got to get back brought brought back down to reality. You can't win every single year, and then eventually it ends. But now, 
I like the attitude that this team has right now. I listened to 32 thoughts today and I thought Friedman brought up something interesting, like not a direct quote from anyone, but saying that the abs felt like they lost like the eye of the tiger, like Apollo Creed said to Rocky and Rocky three, <laughs> they lost the eye of the tiger. And now they feel like they have it back. Like this team was missing a bit of their moxie last year. They were missing a lot of players dealing with a lot of injuries, still were able to fight, still were able to overcome for a lot of the season. But at a certain point, they just didn't have the personnel to get the job done and everything kept working against them. And just the, the aura of the team was gone. And I think a lot of the fight, especially early in this season and for this regular season is going to be getting a lot of that reputation back because people, I, the, the abs, I think are a consensus Stanley cup contender, but I think it's going to be about reminding people that they should be at the top of that list as well. You know, well, cause they're what, our friends over at DraftKings have them, I think, second right now. That's interesting. Most places I've seen have had them lower, but you know, I don't want to come out here and create like this underdog narrative. I hate when people do that. Like when teams like like the Knights do like, oh, the nobody believes in us stuff. I'm not going out there and saying nobody believes in us, but I believe that there is going to be a little bit of a fight with this team and getting back the that oh shit reputation. We're playing the abs tonight. It's going to come back, and I, I think that's going to be a bitch. I, I was wrong. They, they are tied for first in the West. Sorry. Okay. So in the Western there. Conference, they are tied with the Oilers for the best odds. The Hurricanes are actually the odds-on favorite right now, plus 800. That doesn't that, – honestly, that doesn't surprise me. That makes yeah. sense. And, and then the Devils and Maple Leafs are plus 900. Interesting. So that's going to be interesting. Dude, also on this, they have a tab. Uh, Bedard's first. first. Who will Connor Bedard score his first goal against? And they have odds against every game. That's funny. I love that. I mean, they they're playing tomorrow against the Penguins in Pittsburgh, I believe. I mean, credit to the NHL. They're putting Connor Bedard in the spotlight right away. He was on. Dude, the- are you watching ESPN right now? There has been more hockey commercials in these past two days of football that I've been watching than I have seen in the previous two years that's been on ESPN. I have noticed that actually watching ESPN over the last little bit. And credit to Sean McDonough, who I have given some crap on this show. He was calling college football the other day and gave a big shout out to hockey and had a like a decently long conversation about hockey on a college football broadcast and how excited he is for it with a good commercial for it and everything. And just getting back to my point, like they have Connor Bedard in the primetime slot against Sidney Crosby on opening night on ESPN. And then I believe they're playing again the next day. I believe they're on a back-to-back. They are. Yeah, against Boston. They're going to Boston the next night on TNT. So Connor Bedard's on national TV for the first two games of the season. And then I believe they have two nights off before they play the Habs, I want to say. Well, that'll be a fun game, too. Yeah, and then that's on NHL Network in Montreal. He's going to play the Habs. And I believe, I mean, NHL Net, the NHL app won't let me scroll anymore because they totally broke this thing. But I believe that their next game is against the Maple Leafs. So they're pulling out all the stops for early in the season for Connor Bedard. So as much crap as we give the NHL for their marketing, they're getting this one right. They're getting this one right. It's going to be fun. I can't wait for Tuesday or today by the time you're listening to this. We have three games. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait. I'll probably skip the Knights game just because I don't I don't want to watch them raise a banner. I say that and I will still watch, but I'm going to say that now that I'm not going to watch. Uh, but I, I mean, will. You don't, have to, you don't have to watch the banner raising. You can just yeah. tune in when the game Oh, dude, the game start at 3.30. That's even better. Yeah. I mean, the the. First game, which is Nashville and Tampa, starts at 5.30 Eastern time. 
That's like, great. Where, I love the fact. That where has this been for years with the staggering start times and the, the perfect game at eight o'clock with Bedard and Crosby and everything. And also continuing on the Bedard thing, like, yeah, they are playing the Maple Leafs later that season as well, or later that week as well. And they're having a national game against the Avs for the Avs home opener as well. I mean, they're putting Connor Bedard out there. It's going to get annoying very fast. Let's be very clear on that. We're going to get sick of it. Yeah. But well, for... Wait a second. Are you seeing this? Are yeah. games going to be on HBO Max too? I was seeing that too. It seems like that's going to be a thing as well. So if you're a person who, because like I use Fubo, Fubo doesn't have TNT on it. I can watch on my HBO Max. This is the first I'm seeing of that, but that wow. looks like to me. That's awesome. That uh, NHL is winning right now. What is going on? This we'll is how, crazy. We'll, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, this is crazy. It's also just so beautiful to look at the the calendar and just be like, oh. Wednesday, I got six games to bet on, and I'm going to bet on the Senators to win, and I'm going to bet on the Canadians to win because it's just going to be my underdogs. I'm going to be back. We're back, baby. Dude, I'm I'm going to a game this week. Like it's awesome. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm, you got I'm you got your open. birthday game coming up soon. Oh yeah, I I love that the Caps just usually have like the home opener or season opener on my birthday. It's awesome. And they're playing the Penguins, right? Yeah, Caps Penguins home opener on my birthday. Oh yeah, turn the big two two. Two three, baby. Two three, getting fucking old, man. Jesus, no, already bald. Gonna start turning gray soon. <laughs> I'll be there with you soon, dude. I'm uh, twenty one. Yeah, fuck. Jesus, but let's uh, let's 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 do our first preview of the year. Let's preview this Kings game. I am super excited for this game. It would not shock me in the least if they lose this game. No, I mean the, the early in the season games are are tough to predict because you have nothing to go on at right. this point other than last season and the fact that you are guessing. But I am very fascinated by this opening matchup because the Kings are a fantastic team that gave us a lot of trouble last season. It, but I think the Avs are also going to come out with something to prove. I think it's also maybe going to come down to which team is going to have the least amount of turnover coming in and familiar faces. The Kings are definitely a little more familiar with their team right now than maybe the abs are. I think it's going to be a great game, but I also don't believe that Cam Talbot or Phoenix Copley, whoever they're starting in that game, I'm not entirely convinced they're going to be able to hold up in game one of the season. I think that's going to be a difference maker. I think this is going to go to overtime. I think the abs are going to continue their overtime luck from last season. They're going to win four, three and OT. Yeah. I'm going to go a different route. I just think the Kings, they have high expectations for this year. I think this game Georgiev is going to keep the abs in it for the first period. I, I don't know if the abs are going to come out super strong in the first period, but I'm going to take the Kings to win three to two in regulation. I think the abs make it close at the end, but the only reason I'm saying it is just the Kings. It's a home opener. It, it's always tough to go into that environment and win. If the abs do, hell yeah, I'll be happy about it, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if this game, they play well, but the emotion of the game kind of goes the Kings way. And I think they win it. I think there's going to be some growing pains for the Avs in this game, but I also, like I said, I'm not going to be a believer in the Kings goaltending for the season. And I'm going to start the season with that attitude. I think the Kings might ultimately outplay the Avs in this game, but I think the Avs are going to find a way to pull it out ultimately. And I'm going to go four to three in overtime. It's not going to be an easy game. Going to be a frustrating game at certain points, but I think, I think it's going to be damn fun. And it's going to be damn fun to have the Avs back finally. Dude, they have tickets for the game. I'm looking on SeatGeek. Use promo code TELDAVS. It is if you're in the LA area. 30 bucks to go to opening night. For 
Wow. I mean, yeah. when you really think about it, the Kings in the local market are not that popular. When you no. compare them to the other teams in that stadium, at least, yeah. the Kings are not a huge LA draw, which yeah. you, you really just don't think about all that much. But you ask opening night tickets for 30 bucks? Yeah. That's a good yeah. deal. Dude, the Caps home opener tickets cost like they're like 150 bucks. Right. Right. Like I'm trying to think how much, like, how much can I get for my so on SeatGeek uh, for the Abs home opener, they are 95 for my seats, which you've been in my seats. They aren't the worst, but they aren't the greatest. But that's still pretty fucking good. I mean, the the Caps home opener tickets. I mean, I like I I was lucky that someone's treating me for my birthday, but I looked at these and I'm like, whoa, these are not cheap whatsoever. No. The cheapest you can get is about 90 bucks right now, which is lower than 110, which is what it was like a week ago. But like we said, you could have saved those 20 bucks if you you would have used SeatGeek and yeah. use promo code Tell Devs. Well, so you could save so much money. We're giving you money for free. We are. We are. We are. We love you personally. You listening to this, we love you personally. We're yes. forming that parasocial relationship right now. And I'm talking to you personally. So are we going to be able to? Okay, cool. So the Sharks game isn't until Saturday. So we'll be able to preview that one uh, or recap that one for us. Yeah, we'll recap that one, but we can also give one here as well. I mean, it's also, again, hard to predict these games when you don't have anything to go on or how the momentum's turning or anything. But I do feel pretty confident that the Avs can handle the Sharks. If they can't handle the Sharks, that might be a problem. This team stinks. Yes, and, they are trying to lose. Yeah, they are trying to lose. Early in the season, they're going to be fighting for stuff. You know, morale's still going to be high in Santa. They're not going to, the players are not going to go out there. Right. That's not their goal. Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle are not going to be trotting out on the ice with like, all right, game two of 82. Fuck this. I want to go home. They're going to go out there and try. I don't know if the abs are going to run them out of the building, but I believe after all we've talked about this team for the last several months and all the additions that they've made, I can't say they're going to lose to San Jose in game two. Yeah. I think they win five to two. I like that score. Five, two. It may be even more like they may not get two. Yeah. I mean, we'll see as well. I mean, it's Capo Kakinen and Mackenzie Blackwood. I'm going to go a little lower scoring. I'm going to say the Avs win at 3-1. to one. A little bit closer. I, I think this game, it could be like 4 nothing going into the third period. And that's when the Sharks will get two and it'll be like, oh, this is close. And then the Avs will score and it'll be good. Yeah, it's a meaningless change. I'll say 4-1 with an empty net. It, I think the Avs win this one pretty comfortably. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's, it's weird starting the season on the West Coast. It is weird. There's going to be some late night games, especially for you. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, luckily we don't have to do recording after it. So yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point of the schedule is I try to pick the days of the week that have the least amount of games on them so that they you know I can rest ever. Yeah, you got a job. So we got two games coming up. I'm super excited about them. I can't wait. But let's uh there was some other NHL news that popped across the screen today. Was there and, over the last few days? Yeah. I think the biggest one, but you called it. You got it right. You said it. I, I thought they were going to move on, but the Jets signed both Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley to, was it eight years, 8.5 or seven years, 8.5? It was seven years at 8.5 million for both of them. So yeah. that is going to be taking Mark Shifley, I believe, until he is 38 years old because he still has a year left on this deal. And it will be taking Connor Hellebuck until he is also 38 years old. So... They're they're definitely hitching their wagon to this team right now. I mean, I I don't hate them locking up Hellebuck, but it's it's expensive for a goalie, and for Mark Shifley, 
I mean, there are worse players you could lock up to long-term deals. I've seen worse long-term contracts handed out, but you always do worry about goalies. It's just such a weird position. Like, imagine you go out this season and Hellebuck's a 900, and now you that contract kicks in next season. But that that's the risk you take every season with every goalie. You can't give too much credence to that. It's just the matter of the Jets just are always so content to stay the same. And maybe it might have been time, especially maybe in Shifley's case, to just soft retool this a little bit and get some more young players in here. Because like we've said, the Jets might make the playoffs this year. But like what's coming in the future that is going to turn the Jets from perennial wildcard team, maybe, to a team that has genuine cup aspirations? Not, they are not going to win a cup in those seven years. I can promise you that. They are not going to win a Stanley Cup in the seven years of Shifley or Hellebuck. The thing that I just overlooked, and you were spot on about it when it came to this whole situation, is no one wants to go to Winnipeg. So they have to pay the guys who have played there and they want to stay. And that's what they did. For the Jets as an organization, it makes sense. It's going to keep asses and seats to come watch this team be competitive. They'll be in the playoff hunt every year. They are good enough to make the playoffs. I just don't see them being able to compete with any of the top dogs in the West in these yep. next. I mean, I I think best case scenario, this team could finish third in the Central this season. Best case, like I I don't see them being above the Avs. I don't see them being above Dallas. There were points last season where they were. There was a point where they were the top team in the Central Division into January, where it was looking like this team's really turned it around. They fell off the face of the earth, snuck into the playoffs, and got run over in five games by the event. Didn't they win game one though? They did. I remember that I picked Vegas to win that series in seven because I thought the Jets were going to put up a good fight. And I felt really good after game one because the Jets played really well. And then the Knights just said, we're not fucking around anymore. They took over. And game three of that series, the Jets came back from 4-1, forced double overtime and just couldn't finish them. And then Vegas stomped on their necks in game five. And just this team is without Pierre-Luc Dubois, but they did add Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafalo to the mix. Like, it's, there may be a deeper team than they were, but this is the same Jets team as last year. Defense still stinks. Yeah. You really better hope Josh Morrissey has even close to the same season that he did last year. I mean, he went from 37 points to 76. And he really kind of fell off a cliff after the All-Star break last year. Yeah, I mean, we were talking Norris with him into January and February he could be in consideration and then I don't even think he really was in on on many ballots at all at the end of the season but a lot of that season hinged on Josh Morrissey being as good as he was and you better hope he's as good as he is again you know as there's not a bunch to say about this as big of a deal as this is for the Jets to sign these guys it's just like as an outsider you kind of just shrug your shoulders be like okay well kind of it's bad for the trade deadline at very least that those right. get moved anymore but outside of that you're not like you're not shaking in your boots at the jets or anything like that like yeah hellebuck is great but he just locked himself into eight more years of this right now including this one eight more years yeah it, it was surprising in the fact that i didn't think they were i thought they were actually going to blow it up but they aren't going to so but i said it they just, they're just always willing to to run this team back and maybe it's like you said it's hard to get people to come to Winnipeg, which is a shame because I've, from what I've seen, yeah, it's cold. It also seems like a pretty nice city, but it's it's cold. Some people it's cold. Don't the fans are passionate. You can't say anything bad about the fans. The fans care. 
Yeah. Take care. You know, it's it's just unfortunate. I mean, Winnipeg just has a built-in handicap to their yes. team that people just do not want to go there. I'm sure it's a lovely city. I've never been, but it's fucking cold there. And just sometimes it's as simple as that. People just put them on their no trade clause. They can choose where they want to go in the offseason when they're free agents and they don't choose Winnipeg. So when you have a guy like Mark Shifley, who was the first draft pick of the new Jets, I believe, and you want him to stick around. And Connor Hellebuck is, I'd pretty safely say, the best goalie in franchise history. Yes, without a doubt. You keep him around too. I mean, it, it's hard to really knock the Jets on this from a business perspective, but when you look four years down the line with this, this this might end up getting a little tough. These could have major buyouts screaming. Yeah. I mean, lock, locking up goalies to expensive long-term deals. It worked with Vasilevsky, but he That's was not, not it. He was not 30 when he signed that deal. He's not 30 currently. I mean, like Carey Price, you thought that was as sure as shit could get, that Carey Price would be worth it. And he's played 50 games since he signed it. Yeah. I mean, and he was still dealing with injuries when he signed that contract. Right. Still, And even still, there are still, including this one, three seasons left on that contract. Yeah. Damn, that sucks. Because I love Carey Price. He was fucking badass, man. What did what did the cap sign Holtby to when it was his extension four or five years when he was good? I believe it was five. I and it was not super expensive. It was probably like the perfect contract you could give a goalie. It was for five years at six point one million. So for a two time business, he won two business or one. He won one, and I believe he won it after he signed that contract. Yeah, that's a good deal because they they lost to the Rangers. And then he signed the deal, and then he won the Vesna the year after. I'm racking all of my Caps trivia brain right now. But that then, one's gonna that one aged well. It's just yeah, you don't see goalie signing this long of a contract. Yeah, and then it ended right when he started to go downhill, and then he goes to Vancouver and stunk, and they got out of it at the perfect time. Can't blame the Caps. Caps have always been good with goalies. So, but let's uh, let's move on to I think a signing we thought was going to come. But a signing amount, that I thought did happen. I also. thought it did too. Yeah. I thought it did too. But what Ross Mustaline got from Buffalo is ridiculous. And the it just makes it even harder to sign Devon Tates. Because if Ross Mustaline's getting this much, what are we doing here? I mean, Ross Mustaline is good and is, I imagine, is going to be worth, let's just say it, $11 million for eight seasons. That is a price tag. And it's weird because the Sabres, outside of Jeff Skinner, have really been good at getting these guys under market value. They signed Tage early. They signed Dylan Cousins early, Samuelson early. And with Darlene, he had a really good year last year after several seasons of being decent, but not first overall pick good. Last year was his first year in like true Norris contention. And I thought he signed for 10. Like So did I. Because I remember seeing that report, and for some reason, I just thought that was done and that it was already done. But he ends up signing for 11 for the full eight years. I mean, Darlene is 23. He's going to be 31 when this thing expires. Like It's not like it's not like you're worried about he's going to fall off because he, he's barely been on yet. He's not going to fall off. But I believe the Sabres, they have a team locked up long-term that they're comfortable with. It's not like they're going to be losing out on Tage as a result or anyone like that. Like they're a couple years away from worrying about any sort of cap squeezes or anything like that. They're paying Darlene for what they hope he can be and keeping their guys happy by 
signing him to this money. But there is risk attached to it because you really have not seen a defenseman be paid over $10 million yet in the NHL and not only have there be team success, but even like individual success at a certain point. Like I mean, yeah, Carlson yeah. won the was, Norris and that, that was it. Carlson won the Norris this season, but like that took a while. Yeah. It's a risk. It's I think Ross Mustaline's an awesome player. Is he worth $2 million more than Kale McCarr? No, not even. I mean, we, we do have to accept the reality that the Kale McCarr contract is ridiculous. Yeah. And like it's not it's not even fair to be holding other players to that. It's, Kale McCarr it's, actually, has, it's ridiculous that we were able to sign him to that. Yeah, Kale McCarr has the best contract in the NHL. I don't I don't even think there's really much of even a debate on that. I think the only debate is Jack Hughes. Yeah, Jack Hughes may be better, but it's just crazy because now what that makes Dalene the third highest paid defenseman in the league because you got Dowdy and Carlson at like eleven point two five, right? Tied for second because Dowdy makes eleven and Carlson does eleven and a half. And honestly, in terms of cap hit. He's tied for first because the Sharks retained on Carlson. So, yeah, Carlson's making more money. But in terms of raw cap hit to a team, he's number one with Drew Doughty. That's crazy. That is crazy. Because, like, what if Owen Power goes off this next year? And they're going to have to pay him, too. I, it's just, I think the Sabres are still really good and they're a really promising young team. But this this was a surprise how much they got him for. This was a surprise. I mean, and he could very well be worth this. I mean, the, the salary cap is going up as soon as the end of this season. He is 23, and Owen Power is only getting better as well, and having him as a partner is going to make him better. I imagine Darlene's going to be worth this price tag, and we're not going to be super worried about it, especially as defensemen are going to start getting these kinds of price tags. Like, in a few years, he's not going to be number one. It's yeah. going to be the Kale McCars and the the Foxes of the world. Like eventually when defensemen get their new deals in the next round of new deals, Darlene's going to start to get buried underneath all these guys. He's just the first out of the gate to get the contract. And now he's setting the bar for everyone else on the next terms of contracts. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I, I love the Sabres. We'll see if this contract ages well, because like you said, they've done a great job at keeping guys under market value. Like Tage Thompson now has a pretty good deal. Uh, that, has a, his season, his contract kicks in this season and it's 7.1. Yeah. Seven years. It's pretty solid. I like the Dylan cousins one. I'm interested to see what they do with power. And then Levi's up in two years. Yeah. So, they, still, they still have two years of Devin Levi at nine, two, five. Pretty like, solid. They are still in a very, 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 very good spot. I mean, when you, when you have a Tage Thompson who last season had 94 points and 47 goals signed to just barely over seven in this market, you can afford to maybe give a guy that you feel pretty comfortably in a strong amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. That number just shocked me. It just shocked me. It did. But we'll have to wait and see. But is there any other news we were missing? Now, outside of those two, not exactly. I mean, those were the big ones, at very least. In terms of Avs news, team's set. We we know what we need to know. We've got our waiver claim. We're ready to, to head to L.A. and open up this season. I can't wait, man. I, I really can't wait. It's going to be a late game. The fact that they say the game's going to start at 8.30, that's a lie. We both know that's not going to happen. Oh, um, it's going to be a late night for your boy. Yeah. Oh, they're saying it's starting at eight. So yeah, eight thirty is probably oh, when it's still yeah. going to be a late night for me. Oh, because it's Boston and Chicago. You know that game's going to like at least eight fifteen. Yeah, that game's that game is definitely running over. There's no question about that. But here's the thing: if you're starting them 
if HBO Max is a real thing, you could start the Avs game on time. Wait, I don't see why they couldn't. Maybe Makes no sense. I don't know. Stupid, stupid. But I can't wait for this season, dude. I'm excited that we get to do this for another year and many years after this, hopefully. I cannot wait to get back in the ball arena and watch some games. I can't wait. I can't wait. So I also want to give a quick shout out. My buddy, Matt Mariah got married this weekend. He sits behind me at the games. Great dude. Congrats to you and your beautiful bride, man. Um, Yeah. I can't wait dude. get to see Steve and Jeff and Katie. It's going to be a blast, man. I I can't wait to see all my friends. Right. There's just a different vibe around this season right now. It's just, we're feeling good. Optimism's high. Now it's finally time to, to show up, put it all out there and get this season underway i think it's going to be a fun one but that is going to do it for us on this edition of the teledabs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network thank you all so very much for tuning in as always like christian mentioned earlier you can use promo code teledabs it is on SeatGeek for 20 dollars off your first order of 50 dollars or more and if you want to follow us on twitter you can follow me at g young's nhl you can follow christian at christian underscore belay and you can follow the show at tell it as it is but again thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time but until then let's go abs Mm -hmm.